Welcome back to the Fourth Right Gaming Podcast. I'm your host Ian, and with me as always is David. This week we are going to be talking about Elder Scrolls, specifically Skyrim, and what sets that one apart from the other ones that we have played, and why is it such a big game that's being resold for the fifth time this year. Um, so to start off, you kind of have to really think, uh, really just know the whole Elder Scrolls library. There's a ton of like other small games in between stuff, but there's really just five main games, which is the original Elder Scrolls Arena, uh, Elder Scrolls 2 Daggerfall, Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind, Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion, and then Skyrim, and then now there's Elder Scrolls Online. Well, everybody waits for Skyrim 6, or Elder Scrolls 6, which everybody's probably going to mistakenly call like Skyrim 6 or something, because Skyrim was the one title I think got the masses into Elder Scrolls. The titles before that, I think it was still just like, either you're a fan of the franchise or you're a fantasy nerd that wanted to play a fantasy RPG game to check it out, check it out. Cause the unique thing about this is that these are all first person player, uh, fantasy RPG games or first person view. Yeah. FPS. Um, so when I, when I first played, uh, these games, I got into it at, at Elder Scrolls three and Morrowind. Uh, a friend of mine, Robert, showed it to me like on PC, and then it finally came to Xbox. Cause I think it was the original Xbox One game, right? Um, it was on OG Xbox, yeah. and they did a, a Game of the Year edition, which had DLC. That's right. And that's the first one I played. And finally got all the way through that title, and then, which I thought was really good. And then 4, I thought was like a huge step up from obviously 3, uh, which was also a, a launch release for the 360. And then I feel like Skyrim Elder Scrolls Five was so good because the things that that were introduced in three and four, which were really unique and cool with Bethesda games, um, was all in five. But the the things I did not like about Morrowind Oblivion were removed from Skyrim. So it's like they finally had the the perfect formula of like this is how this game should should run. Um, <clears throat> uh, which which how did you jump in on David? I mean, I played Morrowind, um, but I was a big Burnout Takedown fan, so I was playing that and other games at the time, like uh, Doom 3. Um, I tried to get into it again during Oblivion, um, but I couldn't really get into it. I think part of me was disappointed that Patrick Stewart, like his character, his voice acting pretty much ends in the beginning. Yeah. So Skyrim was the first game I played. I played it on the 360. Um, I actually beat it, and then I went back... um, to a previous save because I actually wanted to play all the content first. And I would play it every winter, which was kind of a fun way to go about it. And honestly, I knew a lot of people talked about it, but it was really, I actually think, well, I feel like we can go into this a little more later, but of all the, the Elder Scrolls game, Morrowind, you could see was them really finding their footing with the game design. Oblivion was them kind of improving on that recipe and Skyrim was in many ways, the peak version of that recipe in terms of how they utilized it. And I think that's why Skyrim was enticing for me. You know, it was very unique. It was very distinct. A lot of games kind of had that Morrowind Oblivion sort of look. Like, I mean, it wasn't the same, like, Dark Alliance, right? Kind of felt like a Dark Alliance, but in a better world. Um, but Skyrim was... I mean, I can't think of any other game that was like Skyrim, where you have massive dragons flying overhead in a, in a decent way with decent animation, decent game design, decent voice acting... Um, and it kind of even was almost like a, uh, it's a weird comparison, but it's kind of like Shenmue where there's a lot of stuff you can go through in every building, in every room. Um, you could pickpocket a lot of stuff and people, um, it was really interesting to me to kind of see that recipe play out. And uh, Skyrim was just, I think that hit the mark for me. Yeah. For me, I think, um, when I was first introduced, like, especially tomorrow, when, like how the game was described to me was. Hey, it's a first-person fantasy role-playing game. Um, you're just gonna be dropped into a world and like literally, ran, there's no like starting level one, level two. It's just you'll you'll run into stuff and quests will happen. And it's the first game where I felt like they actually delivered on that promise. Whereas like most games, there's a tutorial, like little little uh, personal personality test is what Bethesda kind of does to help you create your character. And then usually the first person you talk to or one of the first few people to talk to will point you in the direction where you should go next. 
Uh, and you can go there or you can just wander off and do whatever in these games. Um, <laughs> and the nice thing is, is that it's designed in such a way where, uh, at least with Skyrim, it got to the point where you can wander into place and, yeah, there could be some hard enemies in there, but things are kind of scaled at your level. Where the problem with Morrowind, I felt, was like one of the first missions I went on in there, I was way underpowered and, like, could barely do anything. Like, Morrowind, I had to beat that game with cheats and I had to beat Oblivion with cheats. <laughs> Uh, Skyrim was the first one I was able, actually able to play at the game's designated difficulty without having to do anything to cheat some annoying system that was in there. With Morrowind, <laughs> it is just the scaling of depending where you went. If you went someplace a little bit too earlier than you should, you're just going to get slaughtered. And since like it's not like an RPG where you're like an MMO on like uh, World of Warcraft or something where like you can see the the level of the creature you're fighting. It was just Oh, I have to go in this ruin. Oh, these machines just keep fucking me up, and I don't know if they're super strong or if I'm super weak or what's going on. To where I had to use the cheat code to like constantly regenerate life and stamina and magic as you play. That way you wouldn't die unless you got your ass really beat down. Um, and that's how I had to get through that game. Uh, Oblivion, which, again, helped improve on their recipe, like you said. The, but they added like two mechanics that like after Oblivion they never used again. One was like the uh, conversation persuasion game, mini game, like where you had to talk to somebody and try and say the right thing to get them to like you on a meter so that you could win a persuasion check. It was an interesting concept. It's one that like they highlighted a lot in that game when they were selling it. Um, but ultimately, it was something that you just, once you got the ability to bribe people, you just pay them off rather than play that stupid game <laughs> to persuade people. <laughs> But the other mechanic, the one that I hated the most in Oblivion, or yeah, in Oblivion, was the fact that weapon and armor broke. Which, like, okay, here's this yeah. new element that, yeah, you if you're realistically playing and you're getting beat up all the time, your armor would break or your weapon would break. But the thing is, is that when you add the elements of, hey, you have a limited amount of stuff you can carry, you have a limited number of spells you could use or something, uh, but you don't want to walk around carrying a ton of armor, a ton of weapons to quickly put on because the one you were wearing broke. The only other way to fix it was you had to get repair hammers. Um, but I don't think you could craft them. You had to like buy them from people. Uh, like you would like buy lock picks. Um, but they weren't like in every store. Like, so there's, you had to figure out where you were going to supply them at. But basically you needed that because any major fight you got in, your sword would break halfway through it and then you wouldn't have a weapon. And you wouldn't really realize that until uh, you see that you're just punching the guy all of a sudden and you're not using uh, a weapon to hit hit him with. Uh, so with that one, I had to use a glitch to make infinite number of repair hammers. It was the only way I could play <laughs> through it so that I could just repair all my weapons all the time and my armor immediately if they broke on me instead of having to carry either a ton of random weapons or a ton of different, different armors. Okay, when Skyrim came around... That mechanic was completely gone. So Skyrim, you have... Well, I think what really brought it to the masses is the fact that <clears throat> Oblivion was somewhat popular, but Skyrim, you brought in the dragons, right? The way they marketed that game, well, you throw dragons, like Western, uh, more Western medieval, uh, medieval time st type stuff that people can recognize, People are gonna to flock to it. The thing with Morrowind and Oblivion and all, and all and the Elder Scrolls games is they take place in their own fantasy universe, so there's nothing that's recognizable to anybody, right? It's all it's completely fresh and new. But when you sit there and say, "Oh, look, we got dragons you can kill," you're like, "Oh wow, first person game that I can actually kill a dragon because they didn't have how many other games have really had like a decent dragon that you got to kill uh, that was highly popular." I mean, Dragon Age. Kind of, sort of, but it's like a turn-based thing. Like, live action, I gotta kill this this dragon that's trying to kill me type of thing. I think Skyrim delivered on that promise that it, that it gave in the ads for. Like, you're gonna fight a dragon. It's gonna land in, in a town, and you're just gonna have to fight it there. And that stuff actually does happen in the game. Um, so I think it's one thing that drew you know, a lot of people to it. You know, one thing I, I think actually helped draw people into it was... Um, in Morrowind Oblivion, and I don't know, I've never played the previous ones, but like you were just kind of like a guy in the universe. But what I thought was good about Skyrim is you're the dragonborn. You're this guy that can speak the language of dragons. And that's how you have these additional abilities that most people don't have. 
And I think there was a lot you can play with from a gameplay dynamic because, you know, you have that, I can't remember what it's called, those guys that are on the mountain and they all just do these chants. Oh, the graybeards. Graybeards, yeah, the graybeards, you know, they're able to speak as well in the dragon's language, which can cause this damage and do all these things. And uh, the lore that that kind of helps set up is really cool because it kind of gives you this idea that maybe humans and dragons at one point were connected, like in this way that kind of separated them from every other animal on the planet. Because there's no like, you know, dogs or wolves or whatnot that can speak dragon, right? That's just a rare set of people and dragons. And that lore was very distinct, I would say, from from anything else that's been before it. Yeah, Um, I'd say the lore in Elder Scrolls is definitely very, very deep. But like, you can go Tolkien deep on like the older games and that type of stuff, where it feels like it's homework having to read up about stuff, where... Skyrim, I guess, approached it in such a way where it's like, if you want to, you can choose to read all these books that you find and learn more about the universe, or you can just play it. And you'll get the get, you'll get the gist of what's going on and like what where people's beliefs fall and why they believe that and, and everything. Um, I think the element of the superpower that they gave you was something new to the series, uh, because you being the Dragonborn means like you're the superhero now in this world, but they give you a moderate power. It's not one that's so overpowered that. Um, you have to you just use it the whole time to kill everything. But it was to me, I felt like it was like a good medium ice power that you could build up to be pretty pretty useful. But for the most part, like I played through the game using like maybe one to three of the of like the shouts out of like the list of like thirty or forty shouts that you can actually get because it's like if you want to play a game in a way like you want to do a specific build, which a lot of people like to do with RPGs. They give you all the options to do a specific, a specific build. For people like me, when I play these games, I'm not trying to build a barbarian or a mage or a rogue or whatnot. I look at it as I'm trying to build like the most average normal person who's trying like who's like me, who tries about, tries a little bit of everything. So like I'm gonna find what works and stick with the things that works with my gameplay. <laughs> Instead of having to build a fire mage and make sure I don't use any ice spells, it's like well, my guy uses two swords and magic if he feels like it. And then if he wants to, he'll shut you off a fucking mountain because that works all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, one thing I want to talk about with all of these games is bugs. Because <laughs> um, one of the reasons I never played Oblivion is I started playing. I maybe got like 12 hours in. And then a buddy who recommended it to me, I was like, oh, hey, how's your game save going? He's like, oh, it's funny you say that because um, I think he said something about like he got bitten by some creature and then this created this bug. Like his game save basically was busted because he wasn't able to progress any further. Ah. He was basically stuck. But he also probably had a lot of and, game saves in yeah. there. He, he might have, but he said he couldn't figure out which game save and he didn't want to go back so far that he'd lost like over 100 hours. Oh, yeah. So he was just like, so, you know what, I'm done. I know exactly <laughs> the bug you're talking about because what this is is in Bethesda games – and this is from, like, most likely, maybe even Morrowind, but I know at least on the Xbox, like, from uh, Fallout 3 and forward. They've been using the creation uh, engine, I guess, is what is what they're, what they're called, or it might be something else. Um, that is their prioritary graphics engine. They haven't, they've just been tacking more shit onto it and not actually rebuilding one that works. So the bugs carry on from generation to generation across their games. One of them is their save bug, which is some games like Fallout um, New Vegas constantly auto-saved for you. And it would constantly make saves after save after save. If you had a ton of saves, eventually it would take like two to three minutes for you to open a door and load an area. Because all that save data is eating up all the space uh, for the game for some reason. And then come... uh, by Skyrim, they fixed it so it wasn't creating a bunch of new autosave slots everywhere. It was just saving over the same one all the time, uh, same three all the time, right? And then you would save yeah. your game. But what happened in Skyrim, which will, as soon as you get super high, it completely it will break some part of the game. Game and um, there's some quest you can't complete properly because of it. Uh, to where, what happens is, I don't know what the exact number is, but it counts up. But I know it's like. My game that had like over a hundred saves in it, I had run into more bugs. So the higher the number gets, the more buggy the game gets. So now, like when I'm going through Skyrim, now I'll go up to like ten saves, and then I'll delete all my saves, 
and all the backups, and then I'll save again. They'll start the counter at one again. Um, because of how their system works, if their saves get too big, then the game starts breaking and falling apart after it. And it's been known forever. And this is like the only way I can think of how to, how to bypass that massive bug. And that's just built into their engine system. So I, almost any Bethesda game using that stuff, using that engine has that issue. Yeah, it's funny you say all that. I, I didn't run into those, but on Skyrim, um, I remember explicitly I had like, uh, I forgot what it's called when you have a person with you and they basically are doing wishes, missions with you. And just a follower. I had them with a follower. I had a follower and I went to another section, right? And um, I think I told the follower stay behind because I didn't want them to die. So I was like, all right, stay here. I'm going to go over, clear this stuff out and come back. I come back, they're gone. And I'm like, where the hell did they go? And in the game, it says, you know, they all eventually go back to like a place you you have base, like it's set up as your base. They never showed up. And every time I would try to take on a new follower, like, oh, I can't. You already have a follower. I can't. You already have a follower. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, I don't have this follower. I don't know where they are. They're not where I left them. And they're not at my base. I have absolutely no clue. And I think I lost about 13 hours on that one. That sucks. Especially Um, if they're carrying some of your shit that you want. Because most people use followers you know, as just mule, mules. If they got lost their follower, the follower <laughs> disappeared and be like, well, there goes all my shit, dude. They had it all. <laughs> and I, I did give like her really good armor and stuff. It was really disappointing. And I remember I went back. I, yeah, that one was rough. That's probably like the... It's funny we're talking about all these issues because the game is really loved, right? It's got all these bugs. Um, there's kinks to every game along the way, but it at the end of the day, you really have these massive maps. You have these in-depth, well-written characters with their own voices, right? So, like, by Skyrim's time, everybody, every line of dialogue is voiced, which is crazy when you think about how that all fits on a DVD with music, um, uh, like, all that animation. I mean, granted, it's a lot of the animations reused, right? Like, guy just walking away. Like, guy's like, hello, sir, how can I help you? You know, like, yeah, I mean, pretty this basic game, stuff. This game, I think, comes really close to being, like, <laughs> what everybody imagines being in a, in a fa- being able to experience a fancy world should be with this, the few technical things that pop up that remind you, Oh yeah, this is a video game. Like hearing the <laughs> same voice over again, hearing the same lines over and over again from uh, different people. But I will say is that I think Skyrim um, is one of the best games for this. And in, in their, and especially in the series of Elder Scrolls is that it's one of the most like lived in worlds. When you when you walk into a place in some games, it feels like everything's happening because you're there. If you're not there, then nothing's going on. Um, with Skyrim, when you walk into a town, people are doing their jobs. They're running their schedules. They're doing that. And that was a, that was something that they introduced in Oblivion, but it's very subtle um, that people have their own schedules and stuff, and you never actually really have to use that information. Where in Skyrim, there are quest lines that you could go and use that information, like stalk somebody, see where they go all day. If you had to do an assassination on them or whatnot, or you can just run in and like stab them as soon as you saw them and run away. Um, but that, that's the thing is that the world felt lived in. And that's one of the reasons that probably what really hooked me on this game was a quest. That I think they kind of repeat throughout some of their games, but I've only ever found it in Morrowind. Courtney found it in Skyrim where like I'm walking around somewhere, just exploring the wilderness or I might be on a road or something, and all of a sudden you hear a faint yell, and it gets louder and louder and louder, and then you hear a loud scream and a plop. And if you look around, like, oh, there's a dead body behind you now, or we're, or in front of you. And basically the quest was in more was that you walk around, this body just falls down bes- beside you. Uh, you go check it out, like, what the fuck happened? And there's a note on the guy. He says, oh, yeah, I invented a – he couldn't figure out how to fly in mage school, so he invented a potion that lets him jump really high. But he didn't think about how to slow himself down. <laughs> so basically, he jumped really high. And you you ran into his random landing spot. Funny thing was, is I could take that potion he had and find it, learn his recipe and make it myself, and then use a levitation spell just not to crash land at the bottom. So as soon as I found that guy, I did, and I just followed. It wasn't even really a quest setup. It was just, hey, here's what happened to him. Here's his recipe. I went and I remade that potion, and then I spent the rest of the time jumping across the map instead of having to walk everywhere. That's something that felt completely random. I didn't do something or hit a switch to trigger it. It was just, oh, okay, this thing's going to happen to you here. You didn't have to be a certain level. It just happens. That's how a lot of the quests are discoverable in Skyrim too, where 
you walk into the bar and the guy talks to you and says, Hey, let's have a drinking competition. And that then turns into this major big quest line that you weren't expecting to be, to be anything, you know? Yeah. There's, it's funny you mentioned the, the quest lines because I, I mean, I don't really know the other stories, but with Skyrim, right? It, I mean, obviously I think people know this enough that we don't have to worry about spoilers, but you're basically a convict who's about to be put to death when the dragon shows up and then suddenly, you know, people discover you're the dragonborn and your fame kind of rises and that's always a theme with these gifts. That's always a theme with Bethesda games is that you start off as either uh, more when you're a convict who's being let go in mm -hmm. oblivion, you're a prisoner in the right prison cell at the right time. And in this one, you're a prisoner who, like you said, right before they're about to kill you, dragon attacks and all hell breaks loose and you get away. So you always start off as this blank, this blank slate of, well, you're in trouble with the law or something, or you've been banished somewhere. Here you are. They're gonna and you get away to go do whatever the fuck you want. After that point, you're not obligated to do anything if you want to. Um, like I said, like that's how that's what makes these games so much fun to play is that they give you a slight nudge to which direction to go, and you say, okay, cool. I see where I need to go, and then you can just run off and do any, do something else. And you'll run into <coughs> random things that will cause quest lines to start or tie you back to the main quest line. You never feel like there's a level here, a level cap here, or, or even though like it does have levels in the game, you never feel like you have to strive to a level cap or, Hey, this is a level 76 area. I can't go there. You don't feel confined like you do in, in most MMORPGs or linear RPGs out there where you're not going to be able to freely explore or they have the illusion of freely exploring where it's like, well, I can't explore because I'm not the high enough level. I'll just get killed as soon as I walk into anything over there, you know? Totally, yeah. And, and one thing I think is cool is... <laughs> I think the main quest on Skyrim isn't as memorable as the side quests. I per particularly like the um, the Dark Brotherhood. A lot of people who played it always reference the Dark Brotherhood and the characters that are within those quests. Um, but one thing that I, I personally found to be the genius behind the game design of Skyrim was... In Skyrim, you have, you know, the dragons that are sitting here killing everybody. Innately, humans want to help humans, right? Especially if we have a common enemy that's kind of killing us, right? For If humans are being killed by alligators, people kind of feel like they have to band together to fight the alligators. And they do a good job of setting that up. And then on top of that lair, right, they give you these abilities, which are, you know, dragon speak. And that ends up kind of becoming like this privilege that you turn into a duty or you can use it to do messed up stuff to, to yeah. people if you want. But, but that's the, I think the subtle brilliance of their game design when they came out with Skyrim. And that's the thing is with these games, like what we've been talking about, right? Your experiences are different than my experience. The stories that you experience, even when we're doing the same quest lines um, are different though, right? Like if you complete the, did you complete uh, the Dongar, the vampire hunter one? No, I didn't. Okay. So, like, you can join Vampire Hunters, right? I was a guy who joined the Vampire Hunters who became a vampire to kill the vampires and and still be on the Vampire Hunters side. How ridiculous is that? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, you don't have to play that way, but you can. Because <laughs> I literally became a vampire, was kind of helping the vampire side, and then in the end, I just, I just didn't do what the vampires would do. I did what the Dawn Guard would, and, like, I saved the world from vampires and that has spent the rest of my days as a vampire uh in, in uh, skyrim like most people most games will say okay you're gonna join this faction if you do that you're now no longer able to do join that faction if you do this you can't do that if you're a werewolf you can't be a vampire if you're a vampire you can't be a werewolf yeah. or, or whatnot um and then basically they force you to have to go back and replay the whole thing to experience those other quest lines uh, the elder scrolls gives you the option to basically do everything you might have to jump through some hoops to like do things like go from uh, werewolf to vampire, but there's a way to do it somehow in the game. It'll, if uh, there's a uh, either just going to be like a hidden thing in a book or something, but there's a way to figure it out. I remember in Oblivion, if you became a vampire, you had to go talk to a lady who will then tell you like, okay, go collect th this stuff, and then I can make you a potion so you can no longer be a vampire. Uh, because yeah. after a while, you realize, oh yeah, this has some negative effects that kind of keep screwing me over. Um, yeah, I had to ask for that because I was like, I don't want to be a vampire anymore. <laughs> this is, it's like, I don't, you have to back, um, 
becoming a vampire means you kind of have new demands of, of your character. And it's like, oh, my God, this is kind of difficult. I want to just go back to being normal. Yeah, and like if you're a werewolf, you can no longer get like an experience bonus from sleeping at night because you always have a restless sleep. Um, the funny thing is, is to cure the vampire, to cure a uh, werewolf, there's a quest line to cure it. So you and everybody gets cured, or you can become a vampire instead, and they'll they'll cure your uh, like in three p with uh, vampirism instead. Yeah, there's there's some pretty cool quest lines in there. I mean, they have the Dragonborn DLC. I like that one. Um, Dawn Guard. Like I guess I'd only played it on the 360. Yeah. And unfortunately, on the PC, that's like the original 1.0 release. And then they did the Special Edition, right? Yep. And then now we have the re-release of Special Edition, which has mods. Because uh, Special Edition was when... They let you Bethesda, put mods it, in. It, and now this one's going to come with, hey, these are the most popular Creation Club mods. We're going to put them into the game for free for you. Um automatically so like that's the th other thing that's kind of made skyrim the kind of the unique flower here is it has a huge modding community like modding has always been around but people were able with skyrim to do a real good job at creating their own quest lines creating items and just building whole new stories for people to experience as not as well as going in and updating the graphics updating mechanics adding new skins to everything new uh some Created new mechanics. Someone went and like you know they took the things that they didn't like about the game, like uh, smithing, and like took that out of it, so like they could just <laughs> be able to smith anything all uh, from the get go. Um, the huge modding community is what kept the game alive for so long, to where they could get to a special edition re-release. I feel like because <laughs> the game came out in two thousand eleven, and you know you beat you when you beat these games, you feel like you've done everything you can do these games will just sit on the shelf until you, you know, go back and want to revisit some of that stuff. Um, but the modding community kept adding new stuff to the game. So there's constantly a new flow of new things to do. So it was almost like how there, a game as a service works where they keep adding stuff, but the modders do things so much faster and so much better that it's like the game constantly got new, new things to do in it as people were running out of things to do. Where usually games as a service is, they give you like a one a game experience that lasts for like a day and a day and a half, and then you have to wait like six months for the next up update for something new to do, um, because they didn't spend enough time giving you the single player game experience because they're too busy thinking about how they're going to get you get you to spend more money down the road. Which is the game Skyrim was built as this is a single player experience, we're not and we might add some DLCs to it later, which I think those came out almost over a year after the game came out. Um, that yeah and i was gonna say speaking of the community too um it wasn't even just the modders but there was this real not even sure what you could call it but the modding culture kind of created its own culture of its own when it came to like for example you had manslayer right i remember i sent you that guy that made those uh will bang okay videos of mass yeah. effect and that that guy has a bunch of hilarious skyrim videos where he he used mods to compile what he made in these machinima machinima sorry um videos and then you also have guys that literally just cover mods and talk about how ridiculous of them are like mxr mods yeah that's the right. are... so you think about that yeah. right there's so many mods made for this game that so many different people use that there are people who made a living in the early 2010s <laughs> reviewing mods that they didn't even make they just had a youtube channel of hey these are the mods i installed this week and made money doing that that's an insane amount of people doing mods and things going out there and that modding community like just skyrocketing to have that paradox there is just crazy um that's why i think the constant flow of new content that worked and, and worked well that modders were making then dlc drops and it got them all the way to the point where they're like cool it's been not even 10 years like what six years seven years maybe they were like hey here's a special edition and then what we're hitting the 10-year anniversary now that's why we're getting the they're selling it to us again um so they sold it on 360 sold it on xbox on the next generation xbox one um as the special edition i believe and then they're going to be selling it they, then they sold it on alexa it might have been free. I don't know. <laughs> but they, when the Super Bowl commercial of Key and Peele playing uh, 
Skyrim on his refrigerator or on his Alexis device. Every was every thought it was April Fool's joke. It was actually a real app that they built in. So yeah, you can literally play Skyrim on your <laughs> on your Alexa. Uh, then now they're gonna come out with another special edition for the for the new generation to the point where it's like when I saw this one come out, I'm like, all right, uh, can we just get Elder Scrolls Six? I don't want to buy Skyrim again. <laughs> I, I have a good enough version. I don't need to buy it. How long again. has it been? 2000, How long has it been? Two thousand eleven was when the game came out. Because then they also had to re-release it on Switch uh, and on the other platforms as well, and then their special editions, and now another special edition. It's guys, it's been a decade. Elder Scrolls Six, but they wanted to do their Starfield game first, which isn't coming out till next uh, fall or next holiday season twenty twenty two. Once that's out. Then they they might start talking about if they've done anything or were doing or have started finally on Elder Scrolls Six. That is rough. Yeah, I remember when they announced that E three, like everybody's so hoping for another for Elder Scrolls Six announcement, and like, oh, we have the Starfield. And it's like, I don't want a sci- another sci fi game from you guys. We want Elder Scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of wonder if it'll be like GTA, where. You know, we we had GTA Five on 360, PS3, then it was on PS4 and Xbox One. Now that you have enhanced versions, basically coming to PS5 and, and Series XS, and and I mean, you have you do have a, a. It's funny we talk about modding because the modding community is what's kind of kept GTA Five in the limelight when it comes to a lot of the PC side of things. Um, but going back to Elder Scrolls, one thing that is interesting to me is there's a modding community called Skywind. They're making a mod where they make Morrowind look like Skyrim. Mm-hmm. And there's like, I can't remember how many people. Last I checked, it was dozens, but it might be over 200 now that I even look that have worked on this in total. And they're enhancing graphics, redoing voice dialogue. I mean, it looks like they've overhauled the game in a similar way where we saw it go from the original Skyrim to the special edition. I'm still curious to see if that'll get released, because those guys have been working on it for years. But this goes to show you how much love each of the games gets, except for Oblivion. I feel like <laughs> Oblivion doesn't get that much love. That's the thing. It's like Morrowind and Oblivion, they're very much the same format in the games of their era, but like I said, they had mechanics in there that were annoying, that like got in the way of you progressing through the game the way you wanted to. And I feel like Skyrim took those, realized like, all right, this is annoying, nobody likes this, nobody likes this, Let's just take that out. So Skyrim is a game where, yes, if you want to run around as a fist fighter, you can run around as a fist fighter, and you and you your skills will go uh, can go up from that type of stuff. Um, the other thing was is the perpetual, uh, it's it's kind of like a perpetual learning, but basically, there's mechanics in the Oblivion game or the Elder Scrolls <laughs> games that everything you do helps you go towards your next level. So it's not like you have to do a certain amount of quests and get experience points or you have to farm a certain item or something in order to level up. It's you level up just by doing stuff. So, But one of the things that people don't realize actually changes because there's not an actual indicator for it is your use of like stamina. Like you'll always be able to, every level you'll be able to add more points to your stamina or to your health or to your magic as you go. That's kind of in constant for all their games. But the more you run the better you get at using your stamina and running to where you can be a low level person who's never bothered to level up, but be able to run for a long time because you've constantly kept getting your stamina up by running. Um, it's a, a tiny mechanic there that makes me that I like that concept of like, Hey, the more and more you do something, the more and more you're going to be good at it. And like, you feel that with, Hey, you have to walk everywhere. The more you're walking everywhere, the better you're getting and faster you're moving, you start moving. Uh, it's just you just don't notice it because it's not an indicator telling you, hey, you can now walk, move five miles per hour or this miles per hour now. There's no indicator, but the game does actually do that as you the more you play it. Um, just how your normal skills level up the more you use them. Yeah, I would actually say to, to kind of add on to that too is there was a certain a certain natural design, particularly to Skyrim, that b- it really helped as a gamer, even if you're not familiar with games in general. And you have this aspect of what you're talking about, where like the more you do it, the better you get. And the funny thing is, like, 
the more you lift weights, the stronger you get, the easier it is to do what you did before at the beginning. The other thing too is like, it, this is like the way the brain works is the more you practice something, like let's say you would do math a lot, right? Or reading and, and writing, the more you do it, at first it'll use more parts of your brain, but the more you've done it, it uses less and less parts of your brain. And then there's just one area that does it and it processes much faster than it did way at the beginning. And that's a natural process that occurs in humans that they put in the game design and you don't even think about it because it, it just comes naturally, right? And kind of, I remember we were talking about part of the reason why we were discussing doing this podcast on, on Elder Scrolls was I always think about what is it about games that gives you something to walk away with? Even movies, what is it about it that like once it's done, what do you really walk away with? And Skyrim was interesting and in, in even Oblivion and Morrowind because you kind of come from nothing and you build up something out of it and then you can accomplish these amazing things that if you just spend the time building yourself up, like you said, you want to run a lot, run a lot. You want to be a good mage, do a lot of mage-like tasks, right? Just do whatever you want to do and you'll be best at that. And eventually you might become unstoppable, which is part of what's so great about it. And Skyrim was probably the only game that taught me this much about life, which sounds really weird to even think about it, let alone say it. But building yourself up is doable, whether it's physically or mentally. And then you also have the aspect of exploring the world. I know you like to travel. In the game, you travel and it's fun. But how many people actually travel in real life and, and try to see things that are different? There's so much that the game teaches you that is beyond the game and when the game is over it kind of still leaves you thinking if you actually pay attention to the details and look at real life yeah i feel like you get people definitely take a lot out of these games uh like lessons learned and how they can apply those things to real life but i also feel like it's the game it's one of the first games and only game franchises i feel like that really truly gives you the play your way model like everybody says that about their game oh you can play it your way you can make any type of build you want but it's like your game comes down to me uh, ma uh what maxing and minning number bars to get something to work right that's not fun where skyrim i'm not thinking about how do i max up this or max up that i'm just playing the way i want to play and those natural skills of what i normally do progress faster and i realize okay cool i like to use lock picks i like to use magic i like to use one-handed weapons Oh, I don't do archery very often, um, but hey, I get benefits if I focus on doing some of that if I want, and I get to mix and match uh, my character build, not to be a specific archetype of the games program that I have to fall into, but I can make my build anything I want, and I can still get from the beginning of the game to the end of the game without feeling like, wow, I need a barbarian for this because I can't do that, or um, I think like uh, Cyberpunk does this to you where it's like, hey... If you had this stat, you could have done this thing, and this would have been a lot easier. Where Skyrim never blocks you by a stat check or anything. It's just, well, if you're super strong, or if you can jump the right way, you can climb this fucking mountain, or you can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, it lets you kind of just do your own thing, and it'll let you buy. And you may have to, somebody who's really strong archery may just have to use bows and arrows all the time. Versus the person who just wants to run up and hit everything with a blunt object and kill it. You could do that. It just lets you do it. <laughs> it doesn't sit there and say, well, this enemy has magic protection, so you can't use spells. And I was like, no, you could sit there and electrocute it maybe longer than you would normally have to, but you can sit there and kill it. <laughs> It'll still take the damage. There's nothing that feels like what you're doing is useless and you shouldn't do it. Like Even when you're fighting the dragons that pop up, which are kind of like little mini boss battles... It's never a tedious boss battle because if you're super strong, you can actually kill them fairly quickly. Um, and there's never anything like, well, I'm using fire on a dragon and it's not hurting. It's like, no, it hurts it. It just hurts it more than the more <laughs> health it, lo it loses, the more you'll see the impact of it. Where the stronger spells you use, you'll see the bigger impact of it. <laughs> I never, it's very rare points where, uh, other than the bugs, that Skyrim pulls you out of the role-playing experience because you need to do a, a dice roll because every time we create the D and D experience, and it's like, I don't want a dice roll. I just want to play live in the world, dude. Let me live in the world. And I think Elder Scrolls <laughs> is one of the few games and Bethesda is one of the few game makers out there that can make these worlds and make the gameplay fit that way for you. Yeah. 
especially to the level of detail they accomplish between the characters, the lore. I mean, books. You can collect books, and I'll just kind of reference one of them because in Skyrim, I, I literally collected every book I came across. And I remember reading this one about uh, these, like, Den of Thieves, and this guy basically like finds out there's a spy amongst his thieves that's kind of giving information out. So he invites everybody that's in his circle to this dinner. And they eat, they drink, and at, finally at the end of the dinner, he tells everybody at this table, and this is, by the way, written from the perspective of the spy, <laughs> which is what I thought was fascinating. And the the spy is basically referencing how this this leader is telling them, all right, everybody, thank you for coming. I just want to let you know there's a spy amongst us, and I've poisoned his drink. He just doesn't know it. And the only thing that will cure you is this cup in the center of the table. And the guy starts sweating. You know, he's thinking about, holy shit, like, I'm going to die. I've just drank this poison. This guy's found me out. And before he can react, one of the guys at the table just panics, reaches up, grabs the cup, and starts guzzling it. And says, like, you're basically saying, like, you know, it's me, right? And... Uh, at that point, the guy then tells him, actually, that cup was the poison, and now you're going to die. And this actual spy gets to survive the whole ordeal. And it goes to show you how well, like, the the, the main story is written pretty decently. I feel like the side stories are written better. Like, the, the main, the, the side quests and that, like, <laughs> Dark Brotherhood, Dawn Guard. But those little stories too just add like an extra layer to the story that is missing from so many other games i'm not sure there's really a way you could top that easily well that's the thing is that those little stories are very interesting they're very and like they're concise and really good and sometimes like you can find multiple books that will tell you even a longer story if you want to and that's stuff that some people will never experience in this game because they didn't bother to read any of the books you know uh which again makes this also unique what's also nice payoff is because every Elder Scrolls game is a game that you can just jump into. You don't have to play the previous one to understand what's going on because these games are set hundreds of years apart from each other. But one of the nice things is, is when you play the later games like Skyrim, which is the fifth one, uh, you'll find books or you'll hear somebody talk about a legend and that legend will be what happened in the last game. Uh, because I think in Skyrim, everybody talks about how Martin Septim sacrificed himself to save the world, right? Well, that was the last, that's the last main quest in Oblivion is going through that whole ordeal. So if you do jump into and you do look at the lore, you read the history books or you listen to conversations closely, you get those little Easter eggs about your past, about the past exploits that uh, the other games had. You'll get these nice little side bit stories, which I think is the key to making a world feel lived in where like, World of Warcraft has been doing this thing forever, but now we have like a lot more games that are games as a service out there that are so quickly, so quickly thinking of how do we make money on you as we go that they don't deliver a full-fledged single-player experience that makes you wanting more. It gives you a short experience that you're like, okay, that was fun. What else can I do? And then you're waiting for them to spit out more content at you. And if they did it right, they have a lot of content that they can spit out quickly. But if they did it wrong, you're waiting months and months for stuff. I think game companies haven't figured out what that sweet spot is because you have your hardcore gamers who beat every game like in a day. Like it could be a 70-hour game or whatnot. They'll find a way to speed through it and beat it in a day and a half or something. And then by before the first week of sales is done, you have a group of people who are already complaining that there's nothing to do in the game. <laughs> and it doesn't matter, like I said, it doesn't matter how long the game is. Uh, there are people who will get through it super fast, either because they've been reviewing it or this and that, and the press will end up saying, well, you know, I beat this game last week, it just came out, but there's not a whole lot to do after a week. And then review, <laughs> review scores end up tanking and shit like that. Uh, I think you have to have enough stuff in the can and have a roadmap that you can actually stick to. Unfortunately, everybody's been making roadmaps without the content being made. So it's like, yeah, in like three months we'll have this made. It's like, you haven't even started like concepting that idea yet and three months <laughs> go by and they miss their roadmap um roadmap i think is going to build like the customer's expectations but like so far everybody who's done that has not really delivered on their roadmap because they didn't have stuff in the can already um skyrim came at the perfect time where there were no such things as roadmaps or games as a service yet and had a uh, Bethesda let the modding community actually make mods and 
sell them on their own market without trying to steal uh, the creative work or shut it completely down like Disney or some other someone else would. Uh, to where you had one game that had constantly new flows of, of content coming out with it, had a super long single-player experience that you could make as long or as short as you wanted. <clears throat> and then by the time you ran out of stuff, you had a whole plethora of mods to do. And then they came out with their own DLC that they sold. Then you bought that, and then you had more more mods on top of that on top of that new DLC that they gave you. More interesting stuff kept going, coming, coming. Where it was another a never ending string of just new content to where they could keep re releasing this game. Now this they came out Skyrim twenty twenty one like brand new game, uh, concept. I guarantee you that it would have a roadmap that they would probably fail and miss on a bunch of stuff, um, and the game the game will probably be a lot shorter because they're trying to build their roadmap stuff out by the time the game's coming uh, coming out. Uh, definitely would not do as well. I think Skyrim came out at the exact right time for it and was able to be like one of the, like one of the few like last true RPG games that are all thought on the world and its lore and not on how do we make money down the line. Because nowadays a lot of games it's, oh, buy this extra stuff. Buy this. It's coming out. Coming out in two months. <laughs> I I actually think, and this is just me. I don't think people will get Elder Scrolls Six for at least another five years. I actually think, in many ways, Skyrim was like Left for Dead Two, right? It, it's it's like their I can't remember the last game that came out for Half Life that was really from from the Gordon Freeman storyline. It was during the episodes, um, but like that recipe is so hard to replicate at a level that exceeds the previous you're going to disappoint people and i don't know if they have that capability right now to really figure that out because it obviously it took them a lot of time like when skyrim came out i feel like we really got skyrim 0.5 and then the modding community kind of came in and gave us 1.0 because it was like whoa like now you're really tapping into the potential of what this world and the design the characters, the lore can all deliver um, because, you know, developers are trying to make money. They're trying to crank out as much as they can, as fast as they can at a level that they find balanced in that whole that whole goal. Right. So a lot of things design wise kind of get lackluster and players will kind of have questions about like, isn't the, the Dweamer people supposed to be set up like this? Not like the way it is in the game at this part. And then some people will go and create a mod that fixes it. Yep. I think that's part of the reason why special edition became so critical and why this new special edition with mods is also critical because I don't know if Bethesda has the creative the creative people behind it to create that universe and expand upon it in a way that really gives it that push whereas the modern community who we said eats and breeds this like sort of world right and and lives in it they know how to think about it. They know how to accessorize it. You know, the people who cover the mods and discuss it, they're kind of the ones that funnel where things go creatively with modding and, and where people should focus their attention. I don't know if Bethesda can do it anytime soon. I think that's going to take at least another five years, especially with Starfield in the mix. You know, yeah. you might even want to say six to eight. Well, I honestly <laughs> think, like, yeah, Ultra 6 is way down the line. We're never going to see that for, like you said, maybe another five years. Um, I feel like the one thing that Bethesda is like the victim of here, though, is because what brings success to Skyrim for so for over a decade is not just their work, but also the work of the modders for sure. Like they modders have a good chunk of Skyrim lives because because we exist. By letting them do their own thing, that's great. Their game constantly gets replayed replayed more stuff in it more people jumping in or entering that pool right to where that you where you're at a point now where you can just resell the game over and over and over in different editions and people will just buy it um much like yeah much like mario games people will just buy mario because it's the mario game right people will buy skyrim because it's just skyrim <clears throat> but where they're screwed at is that because they've let that happen they can't really sell mods themselves because there's gonna be a modder who'll just make their own mod of what they're trying to sell so like that's why the creation club kind of kind of fails for bethesda is you only have so like two choices down this road either you shut down the modding and all that stuff so you can make it yourself and make your own money but again modders do things a little bit faster or they take their time to do it right the first time so you have a really good 
nice finished product when they put it out there. Uh, most people get mods for free. So like if you're going to let them exist, you can't monetize mods in the future or you shut them down. Your game does not live as long and then you can sell all the mods you yourself that you want. But again, the stuff that, that Bethesda even made for themselves and their creation code that they would sell, like nobody wanted. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can get armor skins anywhere. I can get somebody, I can commission somebody to build me an armor exactly how I want it and put it in the game versus me spending five bucks on your crappy, like a uh, little bit tweaked steel armor or something, you know? Um, so that's where they kind of failed at business wise, but I think they that's why they're actually should be selling the game constantly is because that's all they really can do is resell it with the most popular mods already built in. Resell it again with now the next graphics level and something like they'll keep reselling this game forever probably, dude. I'm sure it'll be at a, a Skyrim special, 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 super ultra edition ten years from now. <laughs> You know, I was going to ask you, I don't think it, the DLC or the, the Creation Club stuff you purchase carries cross-platform. So if I have it on Steam and I have it on Xbox One, I don't get to carry across those content items, right? No, that I buy? no because the ones that you buy are for the specific yeah. platform you're on, I think. I, That's brutal. I don't, I don't know for sure because <laughs> I never really looked into the Creation Club stuff. I mainly just played it on the mods I could get on the Xbox, um, which some are good, but like... Modding it does cause possible crashes and whatnot, so you have to kind of find the proper mixture of which mods you want to have to make everything work out uh, properly. Um, but I think that pretty much covers it. I mean, why Skyrim is the beast that it is and why it's being resold again for like the fifth or sixth time in ten years. <laughs> and even though I'm finally at the point where like, I'm probably not going to buy this, but, they're gonna, but I think with Xbox, they're going to give you a bunch of stuff for free. And not make you buy an upgrade. Uh, Game Pass. They let you. They they'll make you buy. There's a version you can buy for like some other stuff added to it, but you'll get some of like the ex, most of the extra stuff they're adding to it automatically, which is nice. But I probably won't buy another version of it because I feel like I have the definitive version I need of it for right now. Um, unless like they rebuild the whole game in like Unreal Five and change the look of it or something. <laughs> which is basically building a whole new game. Um, I'm probably not going to buy another Skyrim, but I can <laughs> I can appreciate what's special about it. Um, so that's pretty much our show this week. You, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say one thing real quick. I, I actually tried to play the online game of Elder Scrolls, and the only thing I'll say about it is the lore and the universe are intact, but the problem is, is because you're playing with other human players who can who are basically, in, in a sense, equal to you. You don't have this sense of power yep. that you have across all the other games. So, personally speaking, if, if I was going to mm -hmm. recommend somebody jump into Elder Scrolls, I would recommend Skyrim. Um, well, I think Skyrim's the most balanced. Like we, we said, you go online, you have the issue of everybody's a hero, right? But the online game is much is very much like the first uh, four games where like you don't have a superpower. You can find an item that can make you superpowered, but you don't you don't inherently have one that you can develop, which that's what Skyrim gives you. But then you have just a bunch of people running around with a bunch of stuff with with you know superpower weapons all over the place, right? All the high level people. But I think the biggest issue I have with online is that in Skyrim everything was very cinematic. You talk to somebody, would maybe get a little bit closer to them, not super close like Oblivion would, and you have a conversation with this person, or you stand next to somebody and hear them talking. Uh, online was designed for PCs first, so PC players don't care about immersion as much as you, at least as much as they talk about how they want stuff immersive, the systems that are in almost all PC games break immersion. The fact that when I talk to somebody, and instead of getting the cinematic uh, person uh, camera view and then them just having a conversation with me, they go in a box on the left, and I can see all their text, I have to make uh, options of what I'm going to say. Like, I'm now in a PC game. It's like, Skyrim solved this problem. You went a step backwards going with online where, yes, the graphics look a little bit better, but everything's in the PC box. I can see health bars, level, uh, creature levels, and all that. You've turned it into a game again and not an immersive world. So, yeah, Skyrim, I think, is the perfect balance for anybody new to Elder Scrolls. Like, hey, play Skyrim. You'll, you'll enjoy that. You feel like you're powerful, 
and you'll feel like you're uh, progressing through the game the entire time you're playing it. And you'll get to ha have fun, unique experiences that when you talk to somebody, even if they play the same quest line, they may do it differently. Um, that's just how it works. Would you recommend uh, the PC version, like a Steam version, or would you recommend the console version of the at Special this, Edition? At this point, I feel like you can pick up whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, if you prefer to game on PC, go ahead and get the PC version. The benefit of that is that you're going to have way more mods to play with, um, and the mods may run a little bit more stable, uh, or maybe not. I don't, I mean, it all depends on your own game, your your hardware system that you have and what's required for the mods. Um on the consoles, it's just as good there. They do have mods to make things look better, but you're going to be limited on what's there because people had to had to make the mods uh, for the console specifically. They couldn't just port over the other mods very easily. Um, there's still a ton out there, and people still constantly make stuff for it. But you're limited on what you what you can find, um, and then. Online has like no restrictions on what you'll find. You'll find everything, uh, everything, anything. There's <laughs> going to be family friendly restrictions on what you can get on the consoles. Um, so wherever you want to play, it's fine. Like I right now, I'm playing it again, but I'm not playing with any mods. I'm trying to get all the achievements. But even playing with mods, I'm like I'm kind of fine with playing it default because one thing I know is never going to crash. When you start playing with mods, <laughs> you might get a really cool looking game. I had one where I had to figure out which mod was breaking it to where every time I opened a door, it would crash. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, I need, you need to figure out the load order and this and that. So modding is a whole other level of it that you have to get into. Um, PC is like hardcore. You're definitely going to like, you'll get to the point where you probably want to make your own mods. Xbox or the console versions, they're plug and play mods. They'll all work, but if you load too many, maybe they will all work together ha well, nice, happy with each other, you know? Okay, no, it's good to know because I've been looking into it. I'm just not sure which version to get, but I, I might just go. I mean, the I feel like the base game without the mods is pretty good already. You're, I feel like if you're going to go with the mods, you're, you've are you kind of gone through all the base content and you're just kind of looking for more, personally. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't gone, if you're a Skyrim fan and you've not killed a Korshak where the, the, the snow giant Go, uh, ghost, which is the absolute highest level character in the game and the hard and the hardest thing to fight. I don't know anybody who's played it and actually uh, fought against that guy. I've only seen videos of people who've done it online. Um, if you've done that, then you've done everything that you possibly can do in this game. If you haven't, trust me, there's a ton of shit in that game that you haven't even felt, uh, came across because you didn't bother to go in a cave or go here or go there. Um, the people who who with that far they're hard hardcore into it um and the game's over 10 years old and i still haven't done that yet so i mean there's plenty of stuff to find in this game and in this universe to have fun with um so my suggestion is go ahead and get skyrim if you don't have a copy of it already on your switch or your xbox or playstation or pc feel free to get what's available now or go ahead and buy the next version of it um you're gonna have fun no matter what uh, if you already have it, I don't think you need to keep buying it over and over again. Um, I think the current versions that are out now are probably pretty definitive for whatever platform they're on. Um, PCs, I mean, most people didn't buy a special edition for PC because they had mods that already did all that stuff. They're still playing on the original uh, build of it, where most console people are on the special edition version because that's the, the revamp one that came out for us, right? So yeah. I say pick it up. You'll enjoy it. You'll have a great time. Uh, any final thoughts on your end? Uh, no, I just think it's a great game, great series. Um, uh, you can find the Morrowind version pretty affordable on Steam. It's usually going for about fifteen bucks, but occasionally they go on sale for like five bucks, seven fifty. Um, so you know, if you're a PC gamer, the Morrowind doesn't really have high spec requirements, so you can play it if you don't mind the the more archaic nature of that game. Skyrim's also not as heavily demanding. Um, you could even pick it up for 360 if you don't have a more modern console or anything beyond the 360. Uh, but I just don't recommend it on PS3 because it's definitely more buggy there. Um, but you could also still pick it up on PC and a, even a pretty decent PC from like 2014. That's just like an office computer with a decent video card. And I say decent, I'm, I'm talking like a gig or two at most. That'll still run it pretty well. So depending on your budget, depending on what you're trying to do, 
it's not demanding, which is a nice thing about the series. Yeah, when even when it came out brand new, it didn't feel like it was a game that demanded so much of you to have the right specs for it or be able to play it here or there. Um, and it never feels like it's too much. So it's definitely an easy way to get somebody into, hey, you want to play? Like, I'm not a D&D person, but like, this is technically a D&D game without all the dice rolling and all the other kind of BS that they throw in there because it doesn't need it. It's, you want to wake up and play your and play a choose your own adventure game? Boom. Skyrim is it. That will give you everything you want. All right. So that's our show this week. Um, I've been your host, Ian, uh, and David here with us. Uh, you can find us at uh, me at forthrightgaming.com. And uh, David, you have Timeless Cinema or, yeah, it's timelesscinema.com, right? Or the Timeless, uh, Timeless Cinema Show. show. TimelessCinemaShow.com, yeah. But I'm also on Twitter. I'm pretty active on there at the handle of Timeless underscore Cinema. Um, but I mainly talk with retro gamers a lot because that's kind of like my shtick, which I guess is why we're talking about Skyrim. But I, I just love great games, and I've been playing FMV games lately. Oh, yeah, I've been all over that stuff too. We'll talk about that later. That's, that'll be the post show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Happy gaming. <laughs>